Hey, BT here. Are you looking for ways to boost sales in your business? If so, you're in luck. For the next five Tuesdays, David will be bringing to the podcast feed a recent training he did, which we're calling the Inner Game of Sales series. Be sure to listen in over these next five weeks to learn the tips and tricks necessary to boosting your income in a short period of time. David knows sales, and he's here to make selling easier, more profitable, and a hell of a lot more fun. Let's go. Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. How serious are you about changing this? The person says yes at this point. I am... 100% serious about changing this. This is is a very interesting place to be in the conversation because I also see a lot of people totally unsell themselves here. And the way they do that is by all of a sudden the pressure (laughs) that's been bottling up inside of them because they're not saying very much gets unleashed at some point. And they think it's okay to start talking and telling about everything that's going on and what they're doing. Like, it's like, no, you have to maintain this decorum through the whole call. But that was something I forgot to mention. I want to mention that too. Anything that's not part of this, of the purpose of this call is out. In a sales call, that's a rule that I have. I had this rule that I have for all my salespeople and all the people that I train. This is, not a, this is not a place to talk about the kids or your, your wife or your husband or what's, you know, the soccer game that was yesterday or Sunday night football. This is not a place to have casual conversation. This is only, 100% only place for serious conversation because you don't want a person thinking about something else. It is, it is difficult enough to try to get the focus of a person's mind moving in a direction where they can actually do some good without having all all other kinds of distractions. Because remember this, a person's mind is highly reactive to stimulus. Conversations that have different topic details is stimulus. It automatically causes a person's mind to think about that. Did you see the football game Sunday? So now they're not thinking about the sale and why they're on this call. They're thinking about the football game that was on Sunday. Every time that something, that a piece of material comes in that does not belong in this conversation, it's a distraction to the mind. It takes them off the thought process, including at the end of the conversation, including at the end of the conversation, nowhere in this conversation do you want to start talking about other things. Even if there's something that's necessary to talk about and it doesn't have anything to do with this sale, schedule another call. I'd be happy to talk to you about that on another call. I don't really have time to discuss it today. This call is all about the sale. So when this person gets to this point of yes, 
Um, there is no other place to go except the commitment at this point. It's asking for the commitment. It's asking for the sale. You can say, is that cash or credit? You can say, here's the price. Do you want to pay in full or do you want to pay in payments? You could say, I need a deposit of this. Whatever it is that you need for your company. You immediately ask for what you need. You don't start talking about all kinds of different things. If there's a question that comes up, great. We can deal with the question. But once they say yes, nothing else is needed except the commitment. You have to ask for the commitment at this point. The commitment's going to do one of two things. Either the person is, they're all the way in, they know that they're in, and they're going to like give you their credit card, you're going to send over a contract, they're going to sign the contract, and away you guys go, okay? Or this is where the challenge for the, the person starts to come to the surface. And that's one of the things that I really want to talk about. First of all, first and foremost, understand this. The first person you have to overcome the challenges with is yourself. The first person you have to overcome the challenges with is yourself. I will show you why so many people are absolutely atrocious at sales. And unless they figure this out for themselves, they will never make a lot of money in sales. Never. They won't. So here's what this looks like. Again, I'm going to use my uh, version of the stick man here. This is the conscious mind, and this is the subconscious mind, okay? And I have a ton of information out there on going really into depth about how the conscious mind and the subconscious mind works. I also spend an entire day on this and all the psychological stuff at Art of Success um, that you, you definitely want to get involved in because the more you understand this, the easier these skills become for you to learn. But here's, the, here's what happens, okay? As you're going through life, you're having experiences. Part of those experiences are the limitations that you yourself believe in the limitations that you yourself believe in. Think about the limitations that you personally believe in when it comes to money. How easy is it for you to manifest money? At what limits do you find it getting difficult to manifest money? How about time? How about commitment? How about setting boundaries with other people? How about rearranging your schedule and telling others no because you, you've made a different commitment? Think about all the things that you're asking a person to do within the context of a sales conversation. You're asking them to make a commitment. You're asking them to make a financial commitment. You're asking them to make a time commitment, possibly a use commitment, a contractual commitment. They may have to change things in their personal life, in their personal calendar. They may have to tell other people no about things. There may be people in their life that are upset with the commitment that they made because they're working with you. Think about all those different areas and then ask yourself, where do you still have challenges in your own life around those ideas? 
because that's where you'll drop the sales conversation with a potential person. You have a double binding message. You have your own value conflict. How do you influence somebody else to do something that you are having trouble doing yourself? You're not congruent. Now, I'm not saying that you can't do it, but it sure is a hell of a lot more difficult when you're not breaking through these areas yourself. Do you make quick, concise sales decisions? Do you pay in full? Do you make payments? Do you let the fear of of not being able to pay prevent you from buying something you know you should be buying? What are your buying habits like? You see, we all have buying habits. And we all have subconscious blocks that keep us from making our own progress in life. So what do you do? So we're going to take the biggest one and we're going to work through this one today. The biggest one is I don't have the money or it's too expensive. So first and foremost, ask yourself this question. How many things have you not bought in your life because you don't have the money or it was too expensive? I'll bet it's a lot. I'll bet it's a lot. So what do you actually have going on subconsciously here? You have a block around spending money, and you have a block around spending money around what? What you want. Why? Because either you think you don't have the money to buy what you want, or you think you can't buy what you want, or you think it's not the right time to buy what you want, or you think it's going to upset somebody else if you buy what you want, or you think you have to put other people ahead of you before you can buy what you want. You see where I'm going with this? People are so full of these experiences that when you're in a sales conversation and you're talking to somebody else about what they want and you're asking them to buy what they want and they start to go into the commitment and you say, well, here's, this is what, this is how much it costs. And they go, oh, that's expensive. I don't know if I have the money for that or I don't have the money for that right now. What do you do with that person when you agree with their belief? What do you do with them? How do you influence a person when you have the same buying problem in your own life? I know when I went through this, I thought this was a fascinating thing because I recognized really quick that I was completely incongruent. I was having a very difficult time asking people to buy in areas where I was making decisions not to buy myself for the same reasons they were giving me about why they weren't buying. Think about that. Think about that. Because the tendency, based on our own human construct, you would have a very difficult time. It's incongruous. You would you'd have a very difficult time helping a person move past that because you're not moving past it yourself. The biggest influence on another person is how well you influence yourself. The biggest influence, because it's, it's, it's a psychological need for every person 
to want to be influenced by another person that they can believe helped them get what they want. It's called the impression of increase. The impression of increase. One of the best places that I've ever seen seen the impression of increase explained is chapter 14 of the book, The Science of Getting Rich. If you've never read The Science of Getting Rich, give it a read. You can download it for free online. You get a PDF of it. Check out chapter 14. It's called The Impression of Increase. And basically what it says is that all men and women are looking for the person who can bring increase to their life. All living things are looking for another thing that can bring increase to its life. It's the natural inherent tendency of the modus operandi of life itself. It's called more life. Anything that can add more life to the life of something else is a welcome add. And every piece of life is looking, either consciously or unconsciously or by instinct, that thing that can add to its life, including people, including people. What causes a person to want to look for somebody that can add to their life? Either something that they want or something that they don't want. I mean, let's face it, when you're talking to a person about having a, about a sale, you're dealing with something they want or you're dealing with something that they don't want. There, there's no in-between here. There's no in-between. You're dealing with one or two things or a combination of both. They're looking for the person that can either help get rid of the thing that they don't want or help them get the thing that they do want. But probably with most people, this is unconscious behavior. It's unconscious behavior. And it also follows this other law. Everything is either growing or dying. Nothing stays the same, including bad habits, including dysfunctional things in a person's life. That means even a person who's like on the wrong road of their life, and they're doing things that are not good for them. They too are seeking people that can help them do more of those things. A person cannot get away from this psychological impulse. And we gravitate towards somebody that can help us do that, either consciously or unconsciously. It's one of the most damnedest principles you'll ever come across because it's 100% true with every person. So you have to understand, based on the truth of that idea, how are you showing up in another person's life? You see? Am I showing up in a person's life who wants something as a way to help them get it? Or am I a warning on why not to go there? Do I represent why a person wouldn't want that? Or do I represent why a person would? Do I represent why a person won't stretch or grow or take a chance and make a commitment and cause themselves to grow? Or do I represent why they shouldn't? And here's the thing. The person will probably never know the specifics of your own life. But it has nothing to do with that because that part of yourself is being communicated 
on that energetic vibration that's being picked up by them. The other thing is that you're not going to have a tendency to call bullshit on somebody when they tell you that they don't have the money for something. You're not going to want to challenge them. It's not going to feel good to you. Why? Because you don't want to be challenged on your own excuse. You see, people hold their excuses very dear to their heart. We ex- Listen, and, I'm, and this is not a judgment, it's an observation. People create excuses to protect themselves from things. Even if they're bad, right? They don't want to feel uncomfortable, they don't want to feel nervous, they don't want to feel anxiety, they don't want to change anything, they're, they're, they're afraid of change, they're afraid of the future. Like, there's a million different reasons. But we create excuses Because, number one, we're probably afraid to say no, and it's a way for us to get our needs met and not do something that we don't necessarily want to do, good or bad, good or bad. So they're never really going to know unless you were to tell them, but you know, and that's all that you need is that you know in order to shoot the sails in your own foot. That's all that you need because you know you're, you, you yourself can't do it. How are you going to help them do it? Now, when we do this, here's the number one thing that we're dealing with. In sales, what people generally tell you know about once they've said yes that they want to do it is the resources that are required for them to commit to the sale. It's usually time, money, people. That's basically it. There's not much else to it. It's time, money, people, okay? So what is it that's going on in their mind that's controlling the decision to whether or not they have the resource? It's typically lack. They don't think they have enough time, money, people. People could be people that actually commit with them, or people that they just need the, the agreement of that are around them. That can be a spouse, a partner, a lover, a friend, a business partner, something like that, okay? When a person needs the agreement of another person, whether it's real or just imagined, in other words, sometimes it's real because it's con- there's a contractual deal between two people. Sometimes it's just imagined because it's a power play within a relationship. Either way, Either way, it's a, in the mind of the person, it's a reason why they can't. It's a lack reason. So then you have to challenge yourself. Where are your lack reasons? Where do you think you can't? Where do you make the same excuses that they're making? And under what circumstances? And you can't fool yourself and say, well... I only do it with this thing. No, if you believe that that excuse is true, then that's where you are. So part of removing that belief is to change this, is to understand that this does not actually exist. So we bring in a law that's a universal law to teach this. The law is called the law of polarity. The law of polarity helps us reset our mind around truth versus the hardship that people have experienced for a long period of time 
and believing in that hardship and then not understanding how to change it. I believe everybody on the planet has the same amount of money. They're just not all aware that they do. You see, if I'm raised by individuals and by society that says that there's not enough and that money is difficult to earn and that you can't do what you want and that there's something wrong with being wealthy and that there's actually virtue in some kind of poverty or sacrifice or putting everybody else first or whatever it is, I'm going to have a serious value conflict inside of myself when it comes to money. A serious value conflict. I'm not going to think that everybody on the planet has the same amount of money because I will be able to show you all the people that don't. I can prove to you all the people that don't. I can get indignant about that truth. It'll go way deep down inside of me. What about the starving children, people that die? Everyone's like 25 million people in a, a year or a week or a month. Something. It's a crazy number of people that die of starvation every day in this world. It's a horrific number. And you're going to sit here and tell me that everybody on the planet has the same amount of money? Yep. Because ignorance is just as powerful as it being not there. If you don't know that you have something, it's completely useless to you. But just because a group of people has told you or creates scenarios for you to believe that you don't have, it doesn't mean that it's true. It doesn't mean that it's not there for you. Let's put it that way. I have watched people go from bankruptcy to millionaire in the twinkling of an eye because they became aware that the money was there for them, the opportunity was there for them, and they really didn't know that beforehand. I'm one of them. When I was a high school dropout, driving a forklift, could not take care of my family, went through bankruptcy, had my car repossessed, was on food stamps, I did not know what I know today. And because I didn't know it, it kept me in a broke place in my life. But once I realized that success and wealth was there for me and how to attain it, I instantly went to the other side, like night and day. Not only did I go quickly, I found out that it wasn't hard to get there. And I was like, you, I was so pissed when it first happened, actually. I was angry that nobody told me this. That I went through all this suffering and all this sacrifice and all these sleepless nights and embarrassing situations. Nobody told me that you could do this this easy. Now, I just didn't understand at that time that most people just don't know. And we're so tied to the beliefs about life that we have that we're not willing to let those go to find out that the other ones are actually real. It usually takes us some time to get there. And you might think to yourself right now, like, well, what the hell does this have to do with my sales? It has everything to do with your sales because you're the one that's making the sale. You're the one that's having the conversation. You're the one that's putting yourself out there. You're the one that's challenging somebody. You're the one that's helping them step into something that they really want. If you're not doing that for yourself, you're not going to be able to do it for them, not effectively. If somebody says they don't have the money, the law of polarity, based on this universal law, every single thing in the universe 
has an opposite, an opposite side. Every up has a down, every in has an out, every right has a left, every left has a right. And it's an equal distance. In other words, if I had a table, Steph's behind a table here, if it's three feet from the floor to the top of the table, it has to be three feet from the top of the table to the floor. You can't have a right without a left. If I have evidence of not having something, the opposite side is having something. Wealth and poverty are not two separate things. They're one in the same thing, either rightly or wrongly understood. So if we look at it like this, we could put poverty here and we could put wealth here. Now we're looking at two sides of what? Think. What are we looking at? Two sides of what? We're looking at two sides of abundance. When you reach into your pocket or your purse or your wallet, you pull out a handful of of bills. That's not money. That's paper with dead presidents on it that represent money. Money is an idea of trading something of value for service. And we represent that idea by exchanging a credit card or bills or coins or whatever for the thing that we actually want. There's no shortage. There's no shortage of an idea. Now you have to really think here. If the law is abundance, then if I go to the lack side, I have an abundance of nothing. If I go to the wealth side, I have the abundance of something. What causes a person to have money wealth in their life versus somebody that does not have money wealth? The accumulation or the manifestation of money in a person's life is based on cause and effect. If you do the correct causes, money will come into your life. It will rush into your life. If you don't do those causes because either you don't want to or you don't know, the money can't come into your life because you're not creating the cause. If I don't even think it's there, am I going to create the cause? Probably not. And that's the problem that most people have. If I think that earning a lot of money in a short period of time relatively easy is wrong, that there's something wrong about it, am I going to do it? Probably not. If I'm afraid that having a sales conversation breaks too many of the values that I learned when I was growing up, am I going to have an effective one? Probably not. So I have to get a lot of things straight with me first before I can influence somebody else because the money's here. If there's one thing that's for certain, if there's one thing that we've seen throughout all of history is that when somebody want something bad enough and it's important enough in their life, they'll always find the things that they need to get it. You're one of those people. You always find the money for the things that you really want in your life. If you look back at your life, you always find the money. Now, a lot of times it's just what you need, but you always find the money for it. That is a cause set in motion. That is a cause and effect scenario. So when somebody says to you, I don't have enough money, 
You have to understand something vitally important about this part of the sales conversations. What you're experiencing is this. You have not tapped into the right urgency because if the urgency was correct, they would not tell you that they don't have enough money. Let me give you a scenario. This is a graphic scenario, okay? So please understand that. But I think it points, it makes it makes it easier to understand this. If somebody took somebody that you loved more than anybody else, a kid, a spouse, whatever, and they put a gun to their head, and they said to you, you either come up with $100,000 in a week or I'm going to kill this person, you wouldn't say, I don't have enough money. You would beg, borrow, or steal to get whatever you needed to make that happen. If they said the same, if they said the, the same amount of money for something that you didn't want all that much, it wouldn't matter to you. All of a sudden, your excuse would seem more relevant than the possibility of getting what it is that you need. I had a client that owned a restaurant up in northern Wisconsin. This is is going back probably 15 years. And I I taught her this in sales. Several years later, she married someone who was traveling through Mexico and was kidnapped. And when they were kidnapped, they held him for ransom. And because she remembered not only the story, but how to actually get the money, they were able to get the money to save his life. And unfortunately, several of the other people that were on that tourist bus were killed. I'll never forget when she called me and told me that story. She was like, my husband would not be here if I had not known that. Because people die every day because they don't think that they actually have something. And if you convince yourself that you don't, you might as well not. I mean, it's the same experience. It's, it's horrible. But see, when you do something different, when you educate yourself and you understand, I mean, you should write this law down and you should look at it with everything in your life. Literally rewire your belief system. Because anything that you could possibly want is already here. Not only is it here, it's here right now. That's the wildest thing about this. Nobody tells us this when we're growing up. They tell you all the reasons why you can't. They tell you how difficult things are. They get you to believe in things like luck. You have to be lucky. I am still amazed at how many very successful people there are that seriously believe in luck. As some kind of a magical force in the universe... Everything in this universe operates by very strict laws, by cause and effect. Everything that's experienced has a cause to it. And we have to really, really begin to understand that. Because when you can start to come from the place where you stop limiting your life based on the idea of how, some, how much something costs and you actually start making decisions to go after what you want, your sales will start to go through the roof because you'll no longer accept those excuses for somebody else. And not only will you no longer accept those excuses from somebody else, you'll be able to show them why that's not actually true. 
you'll be able to help them find the resources because you helped yourself find the resources. We have people say, that's a lot of money. I don't know how to find that money. And we'll say, do you want to find the money? Do you really want to do this? Because if you want to do this, we'll show you how to find the money. It doesn't matter how much it is. It's already here. Well, yeah, I want to do it. All right, well, will you do what we show you? It's either a yes or no. And they either do or they don't. Many of them do, though. And the people that do always find the money because it's always here. It's always here. So you have to ask yourself a question. When you tell yourself no about something because you don't think you have the money or you can't afford it, now think, what's the real reason you're saying no? What's the real reason you're denying yourself that thing? Because you don't think you're worth getting it. When it comes right down to it, that's the sad truth about it. Either you completely just believe that you can't get the money, which I think is a con job, because if you didn't believe you can come up with any more money, you, you, you'd be in really bad shape. How are you going to pay your rent tomorrow? How are you going to pay your light bill tomorrow? How are you going to pay your car tomorrow if you don't think you can come up with any more money? So it's not that you don't have any money. What you're saying is you don't have the money for this. Why don't you have the money for this? Now, when you have this question where somebody says, this is a lot of money or I don't have the money, you want to do something called asking a why type question. This is a psychological exercise. Somebody says to you, I don't have the money. What do you have to do as a salesperson in that moment? You have to determine one of two things. Is this person telling me the truth that they don't have the money? Or are they lying to me? Because the moment the excuse or the reason of why they can't starts to come up, it's either a challenge that they want help with or they're using it as a general excuse because they're one of these individuals that can't tell you no. So are they telling me the truth or are they lying to me? That's where we are with this, right? So if a person is lying... They're using the part of their brain to construct, to manually construct a lie. And here's an interesting fact about the brain. The brain can actually only focus on one thing at a time. It can bounce back and forth between things so fast to make you think you can focus on more than one thing at a time, but you really can't. So if I'm asking you a question, if you're lying to me, and I continue to ask questions based on the lie, you have to keep adding to that lie, meaning you have to continue to go into creation mode around the story that you're telling yourself and that you're attempting to tell me. If I say, so you're telling me you don't have any money and that's a lie, you're going to start going into a creative process. But if I trick your brain by asking you two questions at the same time. What ends up happening is it has to pick one and it can't focus on the lie, so it'll usually pick the one that's the truth. 
So when you have a financial question, you ask a why type question. So here's the question you ask. Say, let me ask you a question. Is it you don't have any money at all or you just don't have money for this? Almost every time they tell you the truth, even if they were lying. Because they can't think in two different directions at the same time and create a lie at the same time. Most people just can't. So as a responsive reaction to what you just did, they will tell you what the truth is. And the truth is, is that they don't have the money for this. Because if the person says, I have no money at all, you could say, well, how do you pay your rent? How do you eat every day? How do you drive a car? And then they'll be like, oh, yeah, well, I guess I don't have the money for this. Right. In your mind, the money that you have is allocated for something else. I get that. So if you had the money for this, would you do it? Are you telling me you would do it if you had the money for this? Well, yeah. Okay, so the problem is we just need to figure out how to get the money for this. Now what are we doing? We're solving problems. We're helping a person solve problems. They want to do what you have to offer. They want to buy what you have to offer. But see, they become so resourcefully impotent in their mind that they don't think that they can actually do it. Because typically, when you're, when you're talking about stuff that requires change, something that's not normal that they have to do in their life, People do so little of that, they're not psychologically resourceful when it comes to something, especially if they have fear about it. If they have fear about what other people will think, if they're afraid of debt, if they're afraid of spending, if they need somebody else's permission, they just get completely stuck in their head. Your job's to help solve that problem. It's not hard at all as long as you're solving the problem for yourself too. So one of the fastest ways to become amazing at sales is to get over your own resistance at the same time you're trying to help other people. That means you got to play hardball with yourself. How often does an opportunity come to you that would really benefit you, but you say no because you don't want to spend the money? You don't want to spend the money because you don't think you have it, because you believe in lack. It's a very interesting situation. How often do you only, well, let's look at it like this. In your life, how much do you go after of what you really, really want versus just what you need? Now, I understand that that might be a tough question, but it's a good, honest question that if you really address it with yourself, it'll help you make a tremendous breakthrough in this. Because most sales programs only try to teach you how to change your sales script or how to manipulate somebody into buying. That wasn't good enough for me when I started. I didn't want to do that. I thought to myself, is that really necessary? Because if that's really necessary, there's something fundamentally wrong right from the beginning. And I didn't want to pursue something that was fundamentally flawed right from the beginning. But I found out, just like with everything else, it all starts with us. 
where we are, how we perceive ourselves. What are the beliefs and the values that are controlling the decisions that we make? If it's true, and I believe that it is, that everybody is looking for someone to help influence the direction that they really want to go, hence the impression of increase, the person, when they meet you, is going to do something that's completely fascinating because everybody does this when we meet somebody. We file them in our mind. And we say, this person is either like me or they're not like me. One of the old adages to teach people sales was, oh, people buy things from people they like. I don't know how that got started. But the real truth is, is that it has nothing to do with whether somebody likes you or not. You're never going to get somebody to really commit to something that causes them to stretch or grow because they like you. Nor should they. The only reason they should be doing that is because that's something that they want to do for themselves. However, if you show up with the persona of, hey, I want you to like me, they do not see you as a person of increase. You've gone into the part of their brain where if this person's like me, they can't really help me. There is literally a part, like in your internal filing cabinet, if you put them in the file that is like me, they obviously can't help me get what I want. The person that's not like me has the potential to get me what I want. You don't want to show up as like me. You don't want to be like, please like me. You want to be different. You want to be a little edgy. You want to show them that you're a person of increase, that by dealing with you, they can get what they want. But if you don't represent that yourself because you're not getting what you want, you're not communicating that to them. So what, what is the alternative? The alternative is, please like me. I don't want to upset this person. And it's really interesting because that whole idea, the whole idea of the please like me thing, that really does come from the whole middle class mindset around life, you know? Be friends. Don't ruffle anything. Be a person who gets along with everybody. Don't do things like, you remember you hear things like, what would the neighbors think? Don't do something that causes the neighbors to think, <laughs> to think something, right? And what's even worse is, if you remember when you were a kid, you probably had some version of stranger danger that you were taught, you know, don't talk to strangers type thing. Here's something that's fascinating, and I go into this pretty deep in The Art of Success, too. Um, when did it become okay to start talking to strangers, now, let's think about this for a second. Because obviously it became okay at some point in your life. How did it become okay? Did you have people in your life, mom, dad, somebody else, that literally sat down with you and showed you how to evaluate the character of another human being so you didn't get into a car with a serial killer? Generally, that's not what happened. 
What happened was mom or dad started saying, oh, it's okay to talk to this person. They're nice. It's okay. This is a nice guy. It's okay. This is a nice person. So what we started doing, we started to build this internal value proposition of being nice and that what we were looking for as a human character quality was, is this person nice to me? Is this person nice? How many times, think about how many times, even when we get off here today, how many times do you say or do you evaluate somebody by how nice they are or are not? to you. Nice is not a value. Nice is a way a person shows up. Kind is a, excuse me, kind is a value, but nice is not. Serial killers are nice. How the hell do you think they get close to their victims? By being an asshole? No. No. All predators, human predators usually show up as some version of nice so that they can get close to the person they want to prey on. Being nice is not really a quality. It's a mask. How many times were you taught to go to school, you were upset about something, they said, be nice, or you're playing with the other kids in the front yard, be nice. They're not teaching you to be real. They're not teaching you interactive behavioral skills and communication skills. They're just saying, put on a damn face as a nice person and shut the hell up. Quit causing problems. That's the only reason be nice is be nice. How many times have you been pissed at somebody or hurt or enraged or furious, but you're nice anyway just not to cause a problem? You see, it's completely relevant to most people. But if you show up in somebody else's life as nice, do you think that person really thinks that you could help them with anything significant? No. They don't. They have a subconscious reaction that you are like me, and if you're like me, you really can't help me get where it is that I want to go. Now, when we do this, when we start to create this scenario, we have to move through something that's basically called the terror barrier because we're changing, and the first thing that we have to change is ourself. If I'm going to do this, if I'm going to become great at sales... I have to change me. That means I have to do things that might be scary to me. And I have to understand that it's okay to be afraid and move forward at the same time. One of the biggest questions that I get from people is, how do I make the fear go away so I can do ABC, XYZ? You don't. You don't. Fear is primarily a construct of the mind. It's not real. You're only born with two fears, the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Every other fear is learned. See, there's something fascinating about the subconscious mind. It can't tell the difference between what's real and what's imagined. So whatever it is the experience was, whether it actually happened or somebody just told you stories, As a little kid, before you had the ability to critically think or analyze or reject, those things just went into your subconscious mind, and they started to form the root foundation of your fears and insecurities in life, which then controls your perception of how you see the world. So around the age of seven, 
where your conscious mind starts to develop, where you can think, where you can reason, where you can accept or reject. See, because the subconscious can only accept, it can't reject, and it can't tell the difference between what's real and imagined. So it has to go in. The conscious mind is the part of our mind that has the ability to reject, and that doesn't start development until about seven years old. So what ends up happening is we start to go through our life, we have rudiments of some fears that we're getting from other people, and we start to become aware of those. So we look to watch out for them. They become the thing to avoid. And we, as we have experiences, if we don't know how to deal with it, we develop more fears along the same lines. So those things begin to grow. The fear for many people on the planet is a reason not to move forward. I can't, I'm afraid. I've met all kinds of people in my life that could not move forward for one reason, they were afraid. Fear became the excuse not to move forward with their life. And they didn't. But the people that get somewhere, the people that become really great at something, they move forward regardless of fear because there's two other things that they really begin to use of value. One is faith, and the other one is courage. The reason that we have courage is to move through a fear. Courage doesn't vanquish a fear. Courage gets you to do it regardless of the fear. One of the worst things that you can do with a fear is engage it in conversation in your head. Ignore it. Pay, give it no mind. Pay it no attention. Focus on where you're going and why you're doing what you're doing. And you will get there. But you have to have courage in a sales conversation. The way that I've been teaching having the sales conversation today, you have to be very much in control of what you're doing. You have to be able to sit in the uncomfortable silence of asking the question. You have to challenge a person's personal beliefs. You have to ask for a commitment. That takes courage when you first start doing it because it goes against the idea of what it is to be a nice person. It wasn't nice to ask people about money. It wasn't nice to ask for what you want. It wasn't nice to ask somebody else what they want either. It wasn't nice to challenge somebody on a belief that they had that might be holding them back. You know, unless you consciously make a change where you put people in your life that seriously challenge you to help hold you accountable for where you want to go, most people don't ever do that. What do they put in their life? They put yes people in their life. Or people that have more fear than they do so that they never have to get challenged about the direction of where they're going to go. So they stay the same, and nothing ever changes. The entire key to becoming great at sales, building a business, becoming wealthy, is that you become a person of increase. And the increase starts with you. It's who you become. It's how you see yourself. It's I'm going to grow in this place with the skill set of this conversation, understanding why we're doing it this way, and how to hold that sacred space for another person that we call a prospect or potential client so that that person can move into their body and actually say yes to something that'll change their life. 
It's an amazing thing. It really is an amazing thing. You all have the ability to do it. You all have the ability to sell millions of dollars worth of products and services. It's not difficult at all. It really isn't. It's so simple, it's deceptively simple. The problem is, is that we have to do something that doesn't feel natural to us. Here's the deal. It's 100% natural for us. It's that we were taught, we had that natural ability kind of changed in us. When you were kids, you asked for stuff all the time until people told you to stop asking. And eventually you stopped asking. We were born asking questions. We were born asking for what we want. There was only a few things that we wanted when we were born. You didn't get them. You didn't live. You had the ability to get your needs met then. But once you became a disruptor in your family, you were taught not to. So basically... This is learning something new, but in real truth, it's getting back to the essence of who we really are anyway and helping make a significant difference in another person's life. Hey, BT again. Thanks for listening to this final episode in David's Inner Game of Sales series. If you missed any of the previous episodes, check the show notes below to get all caught up. Believe me, your bottom line will thank you. Also, we'd love to keep the conversation going in our Transformation Facebook group. Share your main takeaways from this series and how sales are going in your business. You can find the link to that Transformation Facebook group in the show notes below. Thanks again for being such a loyal listener, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Successful Mind Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.